there, Dreamfinder here. <clears throat> Sorry, Ron Schneider here, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 53 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at storiesofthemagic.com audible. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom. In this episode, we conclude our two-part interview with the creator of the Xanaland website and former Walt Disney World cast member, Susanna Mitchell. In the first part, we had a great conversation about her time as a cast member, why Disney means so much to her, her first visit to Disneyland, creating her Xanaland website, and becoming a member of the Disney Moms panel. This time, we're going to pick up where we left off, talking about the Moms panel. But first, speaking of audio and my book, which we were just recently speaking of, I have a special gift for you as a listener to Stories of the Magic. In preparation for the release of the book, I created a one-hour audio walking tour of Disneyland. Come with me as we stroll around the park, and I share some valuable reminders and insights to help you look at the park and some key parts of your life with new eyes. Now, originally, this was available only to people who bought the book during the launch, but now I'm making it available to you as a free download for the month of April only. No strings, nothing to fill out or sign up for. Just go to storiesofthemagic.com slash faith audio tour, all one word. That's a direct link to the file to download it. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash faith audio tour. Now, in this episode, Susanna talks about the first event she was invited to as media, how she got connected to other people in the Disney community, whether she prefers writing or talking about things, including a mention of her mom's panel video. And yes, I have a link to it in the show notes what it was like actually being on the mom's panel, being the social media and office manager for Mouse Fan Travel, if she could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company, what it would be and why, a couple of tips that she has for guests to Walt Disney World, whether some of the resources available to help guests understand and explore the details are good for a first-time guest or if it's better for repeat guests, some tour suggestions, her favorite things from early Epcot, meeting Dreamfinder and Figment when she was a little girl, and as an adult, meeting Ron Schneider, who was the original Dreamfinder. You might remember I talked to him several episodes back. It was back in some of the first few episodes I did. Uh, but meeting him and talking to him about those memories. What inspires her? Her advice to you for following your dreams, especially if they involve blogging or podcasting. And, of course... Shameless plug time. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. 
Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, well, you know what I mean. Hey, it's me, Al. Listen, I'm hijacking the Just Because podcast to start a new series all about the wonderful world of voice acting. Each episode, I'll have a professional voice actor on and ask them some serious, hard-hitting questions to get to the bottom of this in a world. You know, world. If you've ever wanted to know about the inner workings of this magical and mystical business, tune into Just Because Inside the VoiceOver Studio. Tune in at JustBecausePodcast.com and on iTunes. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. You mentioned getting to do some of these cool things that you know Disney had invited you to, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you, some other things outside of the world of Disney that you've uh, had a chance to do there in the Central Florida area. Mm-hmm. What's been some of the coolest things that you've gotten to do? Well, it's funny. When I was doing my giant reboot of my blog blog posts uh, recently, I was thinking back to the very first event I was ever invited to as media. And it was when they brought the Main Street Electrical Parade back to Disney World. And I know it's it belongs to you guys out there, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we won't hold it against you. It's not your fault. <laughs> um, and I was so silly at the time. Like, I didn't even realize that that's where it started. Like, this was way before my obsession with Disneyland started. So I was clueless about all of that. But anyway, it was the Summer Nightastic. So they were bringing that back and they were adding a new float um, and doing a few things in, in the other parks to celebrate summer. But part of it was we got to go to the parade float warehouse and we got to see the main street electrical parade floats and the vehicles and we could sit on the little bugs that go around and we could sit on the ship where captain hook's steering and it was just like mind-boggling i couldn't believe that i was there and it was just like oh my gosh (laughs) wow yeah so that is still you know even though that was the very first thing that is still one of the most magical things I've gotten to do. Yeah, I mean, even thinking of all the other things I've done since then, that is one of the most special things because it was just really so unique and gave us such a different perspective on something that we had seen so many times. Yeah, I can imagine that being really hard to talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been in the Cinderella Castle suite here, but it had nothing to do with media. It was D23 Magic and Merriment event. So that is probably my second favorite thing that I've done, but it really had nothing to do with having a blog or anything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Although, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when you get to do a D23 something, you do write about that on your blog usually, don't you? At the time, I was just, you know, a D23 member. And it's funny because I'll go to D23 events and people will be here asking me, are you here as media? And I'm like, oh, I forgot to ask about that because I'm just so excited to be going to the events. I forget to even say, hey, can I, you know, attend as media? Because I just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm such a fan and love it so much, I forget that, oh, I could be covering this a different way. <laughs> so, yeah, at the time, I was just little old me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know you're also 
connected with other people in the Disney community. You know, I've heard you on WDW radio, mm-hmm. for example. Did that just come from connecting with people at these media events or how did you get connected with the larger Disney community? Um, yeah, I heard uh, it's when I first started on the Twitter and found Disney people, I, I didn't even know about podcasts or anything like that. So I was asking people for recommendations. And one of the things they said more often than not was WDW radio. So I would try to listen to the podcast, but they're so long. <laughs> it's hard to, you know, I just don't have time. I'm just not a person that can sit there and listen to things. I know people listen to them on their commutes and things like that, and I just didn't have one. So, but right. I ended up meeting Lou Princess Weekend back in 2010. And we just started talking, you know, because my blog had been around, I, I guess, like six months at that point. And then we had actually met again at that Summer Nightastic meetup. And we just kind of, you know, hit it off and we would see each other at these things. And he asked me to be on a couple of his shows and and we would sometimes do recaps if we'd be out at D23 Expo or things like that. So it's been great fun. You know, he's a wonderful guy and he gives back so much. And I, I love being able to be a part of that in any way. Sure. Yeah. I had a chance to meet him a couple of times. We almost got to hang out for a little bit one of the days I was at the Magic Kingdom, but we just couldn't quite make it happen. Yeah. But I still want to mm-hmm. at some point. So having done recap kinds of things after events on his podcast and just kind of talking it out and also writing about events on your blog, which do you prefer, the writing about it or the talking about it? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh <laughs> I do like writing is still my number one go-to thing. It's how I can organize my thoughts. I'm getting better, like I said before, (laughs) but, you know, speaking off the top of my head was not something that I was ever good at. Even though I did public speaking in high school, it just kind of all flew out of my brain after college. But being on the mom's panel, we had to do our little video bios Please don't go and watch mine um, because it is horrible. I don't even know if it's still on there, but everyone challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) The only way I could get through it was if I wrote something and then memorized it. But then they kept in this edit at the end where I just like look off to the end, like, okay, I'm done. So I don't know. It was just ridiculous. But anyway, so speaking is not something I'm super comfortable with. I've gotten better, but like the first time I did one of Lou's shows, I was super nervous and I didn't know what he was going to ask, but he really makes it easy. Like you're doing, you know, to just be yourself and say what, what you think and what's on your mind. So it is easier sometimes to just be able to talk about things, especially if you're doing it right after an event, right after something happens. And I would love to be able to get to the point where I can do, you know, videos or something where I just talk about what I'm doing right now and share it with people, but I'm just not there yet. <laughs> so I like being able to organize my thoughts and edit and, you know, things like that. Well, that's good. I'm sure if you want to get there someday, you will. Yeah. And meanwhile, thank you for putting me in even remotely the same category in a sentence as Lou Manjano. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> So you told me a little bit about getting onto the mom's panel and what that process was like. What was it like actually being on the panel? Well, um, they treat you very well. And it's just such a special experience. The training is just ridiculous. Like they call it mom's panel training. It's really 
I think, eight hours of learning how to be able to answer the questions. But the rest is all just magical magic <laughs> that they throw at you. Like, <laughs> we're going to take you here and we're going to take you backstage here and we're going to do this just for you. So it's really, they spoil you and they make you feel like you are, you know, the most important person ever. And they give you lots of presents and... <laughs> <laughs> so it makes you feel very special. But yeah, and I only did it part-time. So I think the full-time people back when I did it got a five or seven night vacation and things like that. The part-time people, like I said, was a new thing, but they just gave us, I think, park hopper passes, which I had already had an annual pass. So I was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so Keepsake. Yeah, exactly. But the whole, you know, process of answering questions and that's exciting and you love being able to share your knowledge and your opinions and uh, experiences with people because it's it's funny how many people just aren't aware of you know how they can uh, you know can they bring a cooler in can they do this you know how can where's the best place to see this and you know things like that and having been there so many times it's great to be able to help people out that may have been confused or not known what to do otherwise. Um, so that part itself was a, was a great process, not just all the fun stuff we got to do. Being a local here, I was called on to do a few um, interviews and things like that, which that's, you know, along with the video bio and then being called on to be on Fox News and things like that here locally, I got a little bit more comfortable with speaking on camera and things like that. So. I'm very grateful for that because it was something that I struggled with. And so being able to, you know, have people like, no, you can do it. You know, it's great. You're fine. And and doing it was a wonderful gift from them. So Right. Yeah, It's funny how being kind of forced out of your comfort zone, right. but in an environment that's that supportive mm -hmm. can make it so much, if not easier, at least kind of less of a challenge maybe yeah, exactly. to do those things. Mm -hmm. I know a friend of mine that I got to interview several episodes back started at Disneyland on the Autopia, I believe it was. But he went to Autopia, and then I think he went to Monorails. But then he went to the Circle Vision 360 show and had to do the pre-show spiel and all of that. And he was terrified oh, of speaking wow. in public. <laughs> <laughs> but after you do it, Right. Dozens of times a day, mm -hmm. every day in that. Now he's much more comfortable with it. He still is somewhat uh, not real forthright when it yeah. comes to you know <laughs> speaking out or anything, but he can do it mm -hmm. if he needs to. <laughs> and he credits it all back to being thrown into it in the circle vision. Yeah, that's great. That's funny. Yeah, I'll, if I'll you know have to speak in front of people or whatever, I'll get so nervous. Or if I'm gonna do a video, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I don't like talking. And then I'll get on there on camera and I'll have like a, a totally different demeanor and my voice will change. And my friends would be like, you said you couldn't do this, but you were just like really good at speaking. Like you had this whole different voice and everything. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> like I just <laughs> I, I take over and and I don't know. I, I guess you know maybe the public speaking that I did comes back to me, but it's funny. You know what else it might be? And I could be completely off on this, but this just occurs to me. Because you worked in the parks and learned that cast member mindset mm -hmm. and you had a role to play while you were at work, maybe when you do this and you have to do that, you step into a role right. that you can play 
And so it's easier because you're not like, I'm putting myself out there. You're like, I'm playing a role of this that, that does this. And yes. this is natural for this person. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comes back to not only your public speaking classes, but also your uh, cast member training. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> because of all this nice stuff that Disney did for you as being part of the mom's panel, when you were answering questions, did you ever get to a point where someone asked about something and you started to respond, oh, wait, you can do this, and then thought, oh, wait, no, that's not for everybody. <laughs> never mind, new answer. <laughs> no, I never... <laughs> I never did that, but <laughs> definitely didn't want to make people feel bad. But um... <laughs> yeah, it seems like it would be an occupational hazard for the most yeah, panelists. Yeah, exactly. But it is funny because they let us go on rides and things like that without waiting, and you, and you do tend to get spoiled. I mean, I haven't done it in a long time, things like that, and the mom's panel was... Yes. Wow. Almost four years ago for me now. <laughs> I've forgotten some of the pampering and special treatment that I got as a mom's panelist, but it was a very special, wonderful time. And the people that you meet are great because you're basically thrown into this together. So you become a family and each year of panelists, you know, they form a special bond and uh, the people that run it are great and are so supportive and it's a great thing. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, may not be aware of even the mom's panel or anything like that because it's not really for people that have the experience or knowledge about park going it's for maybe first time people or people that have a specific issue that they need assistance with so mm-hmm. it's not you know necessarily for everyone that's a disney fanatic but it's definitely serves a great purpose yeah did you reapply the next year did you consider reapplying i think i did another term in 2011 another part time term Um, which was the beginning of the year. So it was pretty close after I had done my last quarter. And then after that, I had just gotten so busy with the blog and I had at that point branched out and started to do other, you know, local area theme parks and resorts and things like that. And um, I just didn't reapply at that point because I thought, well, I've just got so much going on. I can't keep up with all the questions that I need to answer. And I didn't want to not, you know, give it my all and, and things like that. So... Sure. Give it the attention when when you can, when it needs it, and then when it's time to move on, you can move on. Exactly. And yeah. Thing, and, so. and they, you know, get better and better people every year. It's amazing. I just happened to click on uh, Walt Disney World tweet the other day that was talking about something about European cruising, and and they mentioned mom in it, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the mom's panel. So I clicked on the video, and it was like this this person, I don't even, I can't even keep up with all the mom's panelists at this point, but (laughs) she was so professional sounding. And I was like, wait, is this a cast member? Like, I was like, this is nothing like, you know, our bio videos were at all. So I think because it's become so well known among, you know, the people that are really into applying, they just keep getting better and better applicants, you know, not that the first ones weren't wonderful, because they're amazing too. But I think, You know, everyone is so much more into social media and polished now, I guess you could say. So it was really impressive to me. I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen some of those videos. They are definitely impressive. Yeah. But I think being on the mom's panel, it's such a select group Mm -hmm. that I think everybody who does it is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know anyone that I came in contact with that wasn't except for me, maybe. <laughs> I was still always just so nervous all the time. But And most of them probably thought the same thing about themselves. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's maybe a couple that didn't, but most of them probably did. <laughs> so, Now, since the mom's panel, 
if I've read everything correctly, you are the social media and office manager for MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, right? Yes, that is pretty recent. It's, I guess, coming up on a year in June officially. I was doing some work for them back in June of 2013, but officially full-time, I've been there since June, so. Okay, yeah, when there's, I don't even know how many authorized Disney vacation planner agencies out there. But when I think about the well-known ones, kind of partially kind of the household name ones, also the ones where if you do a search for them, the ones that are going to come up first, Mouse Fan Travel is easily in the top five. Yeah, definitely. You know, so they're really a great company. So I'm guessing starting to work with them kind of came out of, if I can't work for the Walt Disney Travel Company, I'll do the next best thing. That kind of what happened? It was, you know, it's just sort of without getting too much into my boring life drama. Um, <laughs> I had a major life change where, you know, I was going through a divorce and I needed to suddenly work and support myself and my children. And I knew Becky Mankin from the Mouse Fan Travel through Lou and, you know, all of Lou's friends and things like that. And I had come to I'd seen her you know work with him and I'd seen what an amazing company it was and when I was going through this you know my friends would say you should talk to Becky and see you know if there's something you can do you have the travel background and so originally I thought maybe if nothing else you know I could do travel but I wasn't sure that I would be able to support myself on that while still you know taking care of the kids and things like that like I didn't have a client base basically to work with but Becky knew me and and we kind of just met and and discussed what my strong points were and you know I have a great love for social media and it is one of my biggest passions along with Disney just being able to communicate with people that way and posting pictures on you know Instagram is what I love doing and you know we just talked and discussed and and it just kind of came about from that and it just fit so and then I took on some more responsibilities as far as, you know, office management goes, just, you know, behind the scenes, data management, things like that, administrative stuff. So it was just a perfect fit. And like I said, it's just an amazing company and seeing, you know, I've been a part of a few of the events that she's done since I came on board. And it, it really, you know, almost brings me to tears when I see what she does to give back to the community and things like that. It's just mind-blowing. So I, I'm so grateful and, you know, happy to be a part of that and help out in any way that I can. And it was just a win-win, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, and that kind of gives you that another touch point with Disney and being connected yeah, between definitely. that and your blog and being a guest, you kind of mm -hmm. multiple different ways to, to have those connections. Exactly. Yeah. Good. So if you could go back to the Walt Disney Company, though, which with the way things are at any given stage of life, is <laughs> more or less likely, you know, at this point, probably not terribly so. But at, if you could right now, of all things being ideal, and you could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company, what would you want to do and why? And by the way, you can make up a job if you want to. It can be one that exists. You can make one up. You just can't be like Emperor of Disney or something. Um, aside from that, go for it. Uh, official resident of the castle suite? No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this. If it was just like 
if I needed no responsibilities in life and I, I didn't need money or anything like that, I'd love to just work in an attraction all day. And it would just be, I think, a pretty stress-free environment and and just fun. And I can't think of, maybe Peter Pan's flight would be fun. Although, you know, with anything, I don't know, you get, <laughs> if you do it long enough, you're like, well, maybe this isn't the best idea. Because, <laughs> you know, things get in your head and it's a small world would probably be one of those things but anyway um (laughs) i think if it were a a legitimate position and and job where i needed to work and do something productive i think being a story writer as an imagineer would be like my dream job if i had to you know do my college years over again i would definitely do that with that position in mind because you know even knowing a few imagineers like i do now and seeing what they do and how talented they are. I don't think that I would ever measure up to that, but I think doing something that involved writing and, you know, I could just say writing for the Disney parks blog, but even, you know, beyond that, I would love the challenge of having that imagineering element to it and, and writing the stories and the, you know, the backstories and things like that for attractions and stores and anything that they do. I think it's so interesting. And I've always been a fan of, you know, the details in Disney, as so many of us are. So I'd love to be a part of that creation. That's really good. I like <laughs> that. <laughs> I haven't gotten that answer yet, and it's a really good one. <laughs> and I, I can see how that would be a really natural fit yeah. for you. So, And I'm going to guess if you worked in the parks, you probably wouldn't want Jungle Cruise as a, a being yeah, a ride I, operator. <laughs> I, I think about that, and I'm just like, I could never do that. But what's funny is I think... I thought if I ever had like a spiel thing, like the backstage tour, which I don't even know if that's still a thing. Cause it's, I think it's, <laughs> it's closed down now for some reason. They're redoing mm. something. But anyway, back in the day, you know, in the late 90s when I was there, thinking about being able to, because I'm so good at memorizing things. I was like, if I memorize that, I could totally do this. And then I wouldn't have to interact with, you know, if it was like a thing where people could heckle you or ask you questions or didn't laugh at your jokes, then... I couldn't handle that, but (laughs) if it was just a pure memorization thing, I might be able to handle it. But yeah, it still probably wouldn't be my first choice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So maybe the the backlot tour the way it is now, I mean, it's so much shorter. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Maybe not necessarily a good thing, but... Yeah. Mm, I know. And I actually, I got to interview somebody quite a while ago who did the backlot tour before they changed. In fact, she was there at the time of the changeover and oh, learning wow. the new spiel and and what all that was like uh, and had a very short time to learn it. So being good at memorizing, being dropped into a situation like that would probably work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, with all your experience working for Disney, being a guest for most of your life and then all of the things that you're doing now between Xanaland and Mouse Fan Travel and all of that, I'm, I'm going to ask you about tips that you might have to share with guests, but not necessarily secrets. Like right. Sometimes when this question gets asked, like, so do you have any secret spot for watching the fireworks <laughs> or whatever? There are no secrets left at Disney. <laughs> right, <don't> exactly. <laughs> so just tips. Maybe somebody who's never been to Walt Disney World before, uh, since that's the place that you know best, or you know, maybe somebody if they've been a lot, but you think you know most people bypass this that's actually really cool or a really good idea to try. 
you know, anything like that that you think might make a guest visit better that they probably wouldn't come up with on their own? Well, I think my tip that I always give people is just to slow down and try to take it all in, but not, you know, try to do everything, basically. I think there's so many details, like I was saying before, in Disney and so much to each section like there's a reason for you know the music that they chose and the architecture and all this stuff so I think you know as a Disney fan seeing those things and taking the time to to drink those things in versus just saying let's run to Space Mountain you know is really important and I think that's what creates a fan is taking the time to um, slow down and see all of the things that were created just for you to notice and to experience and to uh, feel and smell and touch. Uh, so I think as hard as, it, hard as it is for first-time people to not want to do everything and fit everything in and see it all, I think that's a huge thing. Because, I mean, I even remember when I was little, we would joke that we needed a vacation after our Disney vacation because we had run around so much and and tried to do so much. It was just like so tiring. Mm -hmm. um, but as a local, I have that luxury of being able to just walk in the park and go to lunch or dinner and do nothing else or do one ride and that's it, you know, and just walk around and, and experience the park, not just do rides. Um, so I know that's a difficult one for people that want to see and do it all but I think it's so worth it and I think especially you know if you have kids and you want to pass this love of Disney and why these parks were even created to begin with on it's important that you take the time to notice these little things and you know I'm always pointing things out to my kids and like oh look that used to be there and this used to be this ride and you know that detail means this and you know things like that <laughs> I'm sure they're sick of me by now but <laughs> <laughs> But my oldest is now 15, and he's just now getting to the point where he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm really into Disney history. And, like, they were going to build this hotel, and they never did, and, you know, things like that. So now I'm like, hooray, <laughs> <laughs> let me show you some books. <laughs> Your training is now complete. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So I think that's, you know, my main tip, as much as it's not really a tip to do anything, it's just to experience more and and see the parks the, the way they were meant to be seen, mm -hmm. which is hard to do, you know, in this day and age of Fast Pass Plus and, and things like that, where it's all about seeing and eating and buying and things like that. So <laughs> Slowing down is such an important way to experience the parks. and I, I could not agree more about that. And I'm thinking about some of the resources that are out there because for people, they may slow down to look at the details and everything, but they may not really understand what they're looking at. It may not necessarily make sense to them without a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking of things like Steve Barrett's Hidden Mickey books or book, I guess, and Lou Mangiello's, especially his audio tours mm -hmm. of uh, the different lands of the Magic Kingdom in particular, uh, which help you either look for a specific detail or help you understand the story or something along those lines. For those kinds of things, in general, do you think that those things are good for a first-time guest, or should they kind of go and get the overview and take it all in once, and then the next time they come, maybe listen to the audio walking tours before they go into the park, or bring the Hidden Mickey book with them, or something like that? 
Yeah, I think it depends on how in-depth the audio guide or book or whatever is. I think hidden Mickeys are definitely something you can just jump right into and, and look, even if, you know, you're not following a guide, but it's a great guide. I love Steve, (laughs) but, um, you know, you can always be on the hunt for hidden Mickeys and it's a great way to entertain kids while they're waiting for things. But yeah. And one of the other things I was going to say was even for first time people is doing a tour, trying to fit that in is a great way to get history and details and things like that. So if it's possible to do something like that the first time, I think that would be a great way to do it. If not, like what I did when I was little was just, you know, read all the guidebooks and things like that and sort of, you know, be obsessed (laughs) and memorize things. Um, So I knew what to look for. But I think it's so hard today when you're trying to plan so many things and do so much. But yeah, I, I think the more in-depth things and the more detailed guides and things like that would definitely be a second time around kind of thing where you can basically take the time to appreciate it all a little more, but definitely still slow down your first visit. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any tour suggestions um, for for ones that are offered? They say, if this is your first time, this is probably a good one to start out with. I know some of it's going to vary based on interest, like the steam trains tour is obviously good for a train person, but are there any that are sort of a general, this is a good introduction kind of tour? Well, one that I did with my family back in, I want to say like 2006 or seven was the family magic tour which I don't know. I'm trying to look it up now so I can give you the accurate. They might not even do it anymore. Oh, yeah, Family Mag Tour. Kids, tweens, teens, and adults. So anyone can do it. But basically, it's just a silly, not silly, but it's a fun little, not a serious kind of, we're going to see eight hours of Disney history kind of thing. But it also is like a scavenger hunt at the same time. So they'll point out things and show you things on the tour, but it's also fun um, for kids and grownups, I think. And it was just a magical thing you end up meeting when we did it, Peter Pan and Wendy. And then we went on uh, Philhar Magic with them. Oh, how fun. Yeah, I mean, just having that special one-on-one time with the characters, my kids were like in heaven. And, you know, we're sitting waiting for Philhar Magic to open and Peter Pan is playing Duck, Duck, Goose with all the kids. (laughs) So, you know, that was just, you can't, do that, you know, normally. (laughs) So that was just an amazing thing. I don't know if it's changed since then, but um, definitely that's one to look into. I don't think you want to start in the huge backstage magic tour your first time, because that is like the all day kind of really behind the scenes thing. Something fun to do that is one of the least expensive, if not the least expensive tour in Disney World is the behind the seeds tour at Epcot in the Land Pavilion. And anyone can go on that too. You don't have to be a certain age or anything. And it really just shows you what they do at the land. It's not just for show. And, you know, there's actual scientists working there and you get to see some of the different plants and things like that. So that's always a fun one. I was thinking about that one too. That's a, that's yeah. a really good suggestion. I'm not sure, does Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios really have anything in the way of tours? Well, Animal Kingdom has their Wild Africa Trek. Right. Which I think you have to be a certain age to do that one. It's totally worth it. Like, I love it. There's different prices when it's off-season. 
but it's really cool because they have all these suspension bridges and you're all harnessed in so it's fine but you know you're walking over crocodiles and hippos and things like that so it's really cool for people that want that extra little interaction with animals and behind the scenes kind of stuff Mm-hmm. But as far as studios go, I don't, I don't think they really do have anything, no. <laughs> huh. Well, that is a gross oversight on their part. Yes. <laughs> we'll get Matt Hodgeberg <laughs> on that immediately. <laughs> okay. Now, with your blog and being on the Moms panel and all of this other stuff that you've done, I know you've answered a ton of questions uh, of varying types. But is there anything that you've never gotten asked that you wish people would ask you? You're like, I wish people would ask me this so I can talk about this thing. Hmm. (laughs) Well, maybe now that I've written that post on Epcot, people will ask me about Epcot more. But I think people always (laughs) want to know, you know, my tips and tricks and things like that or, you know, things for current day stuff. But I love talking about Epcot in the olden days. (laughs) way back in the 80s and things like that and I would love if people asked me more about you know that time that time period and and things like that but yeah I mean people ask me a little bit of everything so nothing's off limits for me (laughs) (laughs) what is your favorite thing from early Epcot that is a hard question to answer. Um, most likely people would assume it was either Horizons or Journey into Imagination, which is what I gush on about most of all. And it definitely is, but I think it's just the overall feel that the entire park had. Like I was saying, I recently wrote you know, my love letter to Epcot, and that's part of what I was trying to convey there. It's, it's even hard for me to put into words uh, either talking or writing about it because it's just so overwhelming, the feeling that I got walking in there as a child. It wasn't just any one thing. It was the music around you, and it was even the landscaping, um, just everything. It was all seemed to be all different parts that worked together as one theme park. <laughs> but, of course, definitely Journey into Imagination was what – made me fall in love with Epcot. And um, I've spoken about this in other blog posts on my site that I cried hysterically when we had to leave after that first visit. And my mom took a million flash photos, even though you're not supposed to, with her little Kodak disc camera. On, And I wish she still had those pictures. She went through this phase a few years back where she just got rid of everything that didn't have a person in it, of all our old, old Disney photos and everything. And I was so upset when I found that out. I was like, no, there was all those ride photos and everything. Anyway, <laughs> but she did that to try to get me to calm down because I was so upset. I didn't want to leave Figment and I didn't want to leave Epcot. So, yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the, the main things. As I went back more often, I loved going on Horizons because I just loved the feel you got on that, the orange smell, of course, and um, just how you could choose your own ending at the end. And I don't know if you've been on any of these because you said you'd only been had all that already closed by the time you got there. Yeah, by the time I got there, the closest I got to any of that was the current uh, incarnation of Journey into Imagination. Which is an abomination. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Shadow of its former self, but okay. Yeah, okay, either one. (laughs) I hear that the interim one, that second one, that that was was without question an abomination. That made me angry. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that and then also World of Motion, which I think is very underrated because everyone always talks about horizons and imagination but world of motion was just an amazing ride 
with the animatronics that were in it and the, the story. It was just similar to Spaceship Earth when it first came out um, as far as, you know, the story of going through and traveling through time and stuff like that. But it was just the whole park itself. I can't, it's so hard to pin one thing down. <laughs> Did you get to actually meet Dreamfinder and Figment? Oh, yes. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some of my fondest memories. I would love seeing him out there and, you know, Dreamfinder always said that Figment wanted to connect the dots on my freckles because I had so many freckles, which I still do. But, <laughs> <laughs> And I later got to meet Ron Schneider, like present day, which was just mind-blowing and made me cry. And I told him about, you know, how he was such a huge part of my childhood and Figment and Dreamfinder. And I showed him the picture that I had on my site of us together and, um, he was excited to see it. You know, if you had told me back then that when you grow up, you're going to have a blog and you're going to go to Disney all the time and you're going to meet Dreamfinder 20 years later, I would never have believed it. But it just all happened that way. And it was very magical. But yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I interviewed Ron Schneider in one of the, or actually a couple of the early episodes oh, okay. for this show. And we talked about, among other things, uh, him being out there and, you know, Dreamfinder and Figment meeting guests and how different an experience that was from the way it is now. Yeah. And, you know, he described the interaction that right. he always made sure took place as opposed to, um, to use his words, line up and take a picture with the monkey. Right. Exactly. It's true. Did you get to see Dreamfinder at the D23 Expo last year? I actually didn't. I kept seeing people posting pictures of him and I kept missing him. And that's the other gentleman that did it, Steve Taylor. He was the other Dreamfinder that took over for Ron. And that's, I guess, most people have pictures with him as the Dreamfinder. So that's why Ron's always excited when he sees pictures of himself. I had the same experience you did. I kept seeing pictures and I kept yeah. missing him. <laughs> At the expo. <laughs> and I didn't, because I'm so like associated with Ron Schneider being the Dreamfinder, I didn't even realize. I thought like, oh, it's just a guy dressed up as Dreamfinder. And I didn't realize till I was reading the picture captions, like, oh my gosh, that's Steve Taylor. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that Epcot may be minimizing the spirit that Dreamfinder and Figment embodied and that was in things like World of Motion and Horizons. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we kind of maybe have lost something that made Epcot so unique right. compared to the other parks. Mm -hmm. I, there really was that hope for the future and that belief that, you know, so much was going to be possible in the future and we could do it together. And it was just going to be this great, amazing technological place to live. But that's kind of lost now. It's just sort of a mishmash. I think World Showcase, to an extent, has a lot of the original elements to it. You can still walk around and, and uh, see the culture and things like that. And, of course, the food aspect of it. But, yeah, Future World is completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. You know that you mentioned it. World Showcase does really have that. And I, I know I've heard some people, people who apparently don't uh, like to eat, complain <laughs> about the you know, bringing in new restaurants and oh but we're losing whatever was there before mm -hmm. or oh look they've put in a new shop they're just trying to make money but when you think of a culture isn't a lot of a culture the people the food and the things they produce right exactly yeah it's true and i know there was a lot of concern that 
the new Morocco Spice Road table was taking up waterfront space and was going to be a blight on the World Showcase. But I think it fits in really well. And I ate there for the first time a few weeks ago, and it was really great. I don't know if I would go back often because it is very pricey, but the views are wonderful, and it definitely feels like it, it fits in and is, you know, authentic. And when you view it from across the lagoon, from almost the future world side, it looks like it just goes there. So I, I think they did a good job with it. That's good to hear. I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. So anything else about early Epcot <laughs> that you want to talk I about? I should probably stop because I <laughs> just keep rambling on. <laughs> okay. Well, I am going to put a link in the show notes to that love letter to Epcot that you wrote because I think it's really good. Okay, and if people are enjoying listening to this, then they're going to enjoy reading that. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Got a couple of questions here to just sort of wrap up now. What inspires you? All right. What inspires me? Well, I'm asking this after I've just seen Evita on stage, which sounds crazy to be talking about. But I, I was trying to think of this answer. And uh, I think just seeing people doing things well inspires me. And... A lot of times you you do still see that at Disney World, but um, I love seeing performances. I love seeing art and, you know, reading things always inspires me because it's just, I guess, basically creativity. Seeing creativity always inspires me. And then sometimes um, you can get overwhelmed by all of the technology and the social media aspects of being a Disney community person. Um, so definitely getting away from all of that and just getting back to nature and things like that really inspires me and gives me a fresh start on things and I'm able to put things in perspective and maybe see things a different way so it's a combination of those things good it's good to have a combination I think yeah. sometimes if there's one thing that's great but sometimes you can't get to or access or do that one thing right. so having different things kind of I think maybe makes it a little bit easier or you, you can be inspired in a lot of other ways and not just this one particular avenue. Right, exactly. Well, speaking of multiple things and variety, uh, you've had some pretty amazing experiences. I mean, working for Disney a couple of times, being on the mom's panel, travel agent, blogger, well-respected member of the Disney fan community. So I'm sure that somebody is listening to this interview and that they've said more than once, I wish I could do that any part of that. I wish I could do that, but you know, I probably can't. If you could give some advice to that person, what would you say? I would definitely tell them that they can. I am nothing special and I just happened to decide to do what I wanted to do and and write the way I wanted to write for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you just have to stick with it. I know there's so many blogs out there and for you, I'm sure there's a million podcasts and you sometimes feel like, you know, I feel all the time, like, why am I bothering to do this? You know, I'm just a nobody here. But you never know who's reading. And I used to always be concerned, like, oh, nobody's ever commenting on my blog. Because a lot of, like, Disney news site blogs get tons of comments because people rely on them for information. And so they're the first people and people always comment and things like that. But for me, I never really got many comments on my site. And it was always like, well, how do I know if people are even reading it? But there's a lot of people out there that will read something or, or hear something and it, it really speaks to them, but they just don't know how to 
let you know. And they may not be ready to leave a comment or email you or let you know what they're thinking, but you may have affected them. And and uh, I learned that when I was going through the mom's panel application process and I used to every year be like, oh, it's time to apply everyone and, you know, talk about the process and things like that. I don't think I've done that for the last two years, but I still get people that say, reading your story really helped me get through the process and things like that. So you just never know. So you have to stick with it if it's something that you're passionate about. And I think the more people you talk to in the community and the more connections you make and things like that, you just never know. Someone might know someone that thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread. And (laughs) a lot of things online are just luck. And it's whoever happens to read it may link to it, something like that. You know, you just never know. So you just have to keep doing what you want to do and and be passionate, like I said, and and put all your heart into it, and uh, it'll show, and people will will come and they'll read and listen. At least I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that advice. I'm sure that that's going to encourage somebody who is listening, and honestly, it encourages me because I have a blog and I put a book out three, four months ago now, and it is really hard when you know maybe the uh, the sales numbers aren't what you were first hoping for, or you're not getting comments on the blog. I almost mm-hmm. never get comments yeah. on my blog. <laughs> and it can be kind of discouraging and disheartening because you're thinking, is anybody reading or listening or whatever? So you know, to hear that from you who's been there, right. and I think probably sometimes still goes back to that place, but mm-hmm. you know, you've got that experience to remember yeah, and to draw from. Definitely. Then you know, that's really helpful. So thank you. No problem. Last thing, and speaking of talking to people and getting the word out there and everything, shameless plug time. So (laughs) if there's anything that you'd like to mention or promote, this is your shot. Xanaland, maybe how people can find you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you are, go for it. Sure. Well, I make it pretty simple. It's just xanaland.com, which if they're listening to this on your site, they're going to see how to spell it and everything. (laughs) (laughs) And Twitter is just at xanaland. Instagram is at Xanaland. Facebook.com slash Xanaland is the Facebook page for the site. Pinterest, Xanaland also. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where else I am on there. That's probably... Oh, Flickr is actually... I don't really update there that much, but I have a Flickr tab open on my laptop, so that's what made me think of it. Uh, just Xana on that one. Because that... Oh, yeah, I know. throwing a curveball. I couldn't okay. get Xanaland for some reason. Somebody beat you to I it? I guess so. I, don't, <laughs> I should look that up sometimes, see who Xanaland is on Flickr. But anyway, yeah, it's all pretty simple. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Thank you so much for your time, Suzanne. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot, and got to hear some great stories and just a great chance to connect with you, so I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. It was very fun to talk to you, and I hope somebody enjoys this. <laughs> That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Susanna Mitchell for being my guest, and to you for listening. Next time, we'll be digging into Disney history, especially Walt Disney's history, more than we have so far with one of the foremost authorities on the subject, Jim Corcus. You won't want to miss it. I've heard him do several podcasts, sharing information and stories. I've read his articles, I've read his books, and there's stuff in this interview that very rarely gets heard, talked about, written about anywhere. So you're definitely going to want to stick around and come back for this. 
Now, if you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, whether you've written a book, you're blogging, writing or performing music, art, whatever it is, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY anytime, 24 hours a day. I also still want to talk to and hear from people who have worked for Disney. So if you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity and you'd like to share a positive story, again, email me or call the listener feedback line. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you, too. Once again, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Remember, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like In the Shadow of the Matterhorn by David Smith, Creating Magic or the Customer Rules by Lee Cockrell, both past guests on the show, or, of course, my book, Faith in the Magic Kingdom. I'm really proud of that book, and like I mentioned last time, I'm also really proud of the job that Tales from the Mouse House podcast co-host Al Kessel did in narrating it. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com slash audible and sign up for a free trial. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash audible for your free audiobook. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a special gift for you as a listener to Stories of the Magic, the one-hour walking tour of Disneyland, where we go around the park and I share some valuable reminders and insights to help you look at the park and some of those most important parts of your life with new eyes. Originally, this MP3 was available only to people who bought the book during the launch, but now I'm making it available to you as a free download just for the month of April. As I said before, no strings, nothing to fill out or sign up for. Just go to storiesofthemagic.com slash faith audio tour. That's all one word. That is a direct link to the MP3 to download it. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash faith audio tour. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. And if you like the show, please rate and review it in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. For example, that video from Susanna with the Moms panel that we talked about earlier in the show. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic. Tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Basically, just tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 
734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.